This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Roddy takes the snap. He'll look to the right side. He's throwing deep again, going to the end zone, up in the air. Touchdown, Eskimos! Adarius Pullman! Hey, that's three! From Carpat and Finland, Getty, Pulgy Jarvie. He takes the snap, and J.C. Sherritt goes over the top. The Eskimo defense has done it! Eskimos win the football game! It is short! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now... Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chet. Oh, Ryder Nation, we know how you feel. Five minutes into the second quarter in Montreal, the Alouettes leading Saskatchewan 15-0. We will keep you updated on that one. A doubleheader in the CFL tonight. Later on, BC will take on the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah, that was a rough one for the Eskimos last night. We'll focus on that as we get going tonight. The Eskimos 2-3 and three on the season, 1-3 and three at home. Phone lines are open if you need to talk, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. The Toronto Blue Jays' big series against Baltimore is underway. The Jays in a game and a, are a game and a half behind the Orioles for first in the American League East. It is 3-3 Toronto in the third inning, the Jays hit three solo home runs in the bottom of the first. Bautista with his 13th, Encarnacion with his 28th, Tulowitzki with his 17th. Estrada and Gaussman, the pitching matchup, so we'll keep an eye on that one tonight as well. The Oil Country Championship over at the Glendale, the second round winding down. Brock McKenzie has the lead, a 65 today. He's 12 under for the tournament, one up on Joseph Harrison, who is still finishing his round. The top Canadian, Riley Fleming, he's in third place at 10 under par. We'll look a a little deeper into that leaderboard and tell you about a couple of local guys as we move along tonight. And the PGA Champ Championship at Baltusrol Golf Club in Springfield, New Jersey. Jimmy Walker and Robert Streb both nine under after two rounds. Streb tying a major championship record. He shot a 63 today. Emiliano Grio, Jason Day in the hunt. There's seven under par two off the lead. Henrik Stenson on the heels of that historic performance at the British Open is in fifth place, three back at six under. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Ched. It is 608. Matthew Panashik is working on the other side of the window as our studio producer this evening. And Matthew, before I bring you in here, I I, I found a, a song and put together a little something about the Edmonton Eskimos and the game last night. Nichols 
under center again. One more crack from one yard out. This time he'll give it to Andrew Harris, and he's got his first touchdown of the season and another touchdown against the Eskimos. So Harris gets it. The Bombers strike first. will drop back, looks to the left, looks to the end zone. He's got Adams there. Touchdown, Winnipeg. Darvin Adams with the reception. Riley looks to the right side, throws, and it is intercepted. Picked off on the far side. It was 10 years in the making for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but they finally won a game at Commonwealth Stadium, 30-23, the final score. Well, frustrating. Even a little confusing as the Eskimos lose 30-23 to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Matt Nichols rolls into his old home and completes 78.8% of his passes, throws for 304 yards. And a game that Winnipeg controlled, I I know the the score, when you look back, will be listed as a 7-point game. Let's face it, it was never that close, a window-dressing touchdown at the end of the game and uh, if the even if the Eskimos would have recovered the onside kick it would have been, they would have needed about 10 times the miracle they got against Saskatchewan to tie it late the Eskimos were basically trailing by two scores most of the game and a, a, pretty much a a complete failure on defense and uh, another slow start on offense and it, it's yeah, to me, it, it's time to worry about the about this team. Twenty fifteen, wonderful season. I, I I think now, well, maybe not, but for me, it's it's gone. It was it was glorious. You'll have fond memories of it. It was a magical team. Uh, it was a team that was successful in almost every clutch situation that they faced. It was a, it was a team that made a lot of plays. And and now we're seeing the exact opposite. All the worries about the defense that that were apparent in Week One against Ottawa, and you weren't sure which way they they were going to go, just just keep popping up. And I mean, we'll talk about the offense too tonight. But it's a it's a club that simply cannot defend. I mean, the the, the Edmonton Eskimos look like a team that are uh, I'm going to be pretty harsh here. Look incapable of playing any sort. Of solid defense, um, I know for me in the stands last night. You know, as a fan, obviously you're obviously hoping for the best, and someone is going to step up and make a play. The rational part of my brain felt like that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, not the Hamilton Tiger Cats or the Ottawa Red Blacks, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were going to move the ball at will. And they pretty much did. I mean, yes, you could argue, all right, they settled for field goals. Yes, you can argue the Eskimos' offense didn't do much to help out. Fair points. But there was always somewhere for Matt Nichols to put the ball and always somewhere for him to go 
to a receiver who was pretty much wide open or had extremely soft coverage. And look, football is a sport geared so the offense has an advantage. The rules are geared to give the offense an advantage. Um, But when you see receivers getting 10, 12, 15-yard cushions and a team that repeatedly, like Winnipeg was doing last night, getting five, six, seven, eight yards or more on first down, then, you know, it, it it's a problem. Um, the Eskimos lost some guys. I don't think the talent is there. Uh, I, I know Mike Benavides continues to get crushed as a, as a defensive coach. Sure, fair enough. Uh, we'll talk about that as, as we move along. But there are plays out there to be made that aren't getting played, uh, getting made. And Jason Moss, head coach, after the game was asked about his team's struggles on defense. And bottom line is we probably aren't making the plays when they're there to be made uh, more than anything. So, you know, um, you know, that's what I generally see when I when I watch the film. I mean, our yards are yards, but when you have an opportunity to knock a ball down, you have an opportunity to make a play. That's what we're lacking right now. Someone stepping up to make that play. Um, we'll make them. I firmly believe that, and I know Benny will just keep, you know, working with the guys and trying to get them better. We're young, but that's not an excuse, really. I mean, now we're five games into the season, so now they're they're away from being they're closer away from being better or too more close to being veterans now, you know, than at the beginning of the year. So at some point, the light will click on. We'll get some consistency back there too. I mean, Means playing his second game in a row, and if we get Blue back, it'll be great. But if not, that'll be Means' third game playing in a row. So he'll get better. All of us will get better. It's just a matter of uh, the consistency and continuity, and then stepping up at the end of the day and making a play. Well, they got to make more plays. I mean, a dropped interception. How many passes did the Eskimos knock down? Not many. They they got a couple sacks, um, sure, but there was no tone set earlier in the game. They got rolled over on the opening drive of the game, and again, the offense didn't respond. Here's the thing. I think the offense will figure it out. Offenses do have ups and downs throughout the season. Um, hopefully the downs aren't as pronounced as they were in the second half against Hamilton in the first half last night. I, I just continue to worry, can the Eskimos get a stop or a turnover or some kind of a defensive win when they really need it? And I'm not letting the other two aspects of the game off the hook, but I, I think if you look at this team, what a, what a transformation. A, a team that could just completely shut down offenses for long periods of time and now it's the complete opposite I sit there expecting that the other team's going to get points and probably a touchdown and that it's rare to force a punt as, as opposed to the other way around and I think it's a little bit of both when it comes to the scheme and then it also comes to the talent and Pat Watkins clearly not healthy so something has to be done there then Marcel Young, I think, remains a weak link on a defense that now has, you know, not as much talent around him. Does it all come down to the coaching? I know some of you want to believe that. It's always easy to point the finger at the coach. Fair enough. I think Benavides has to keep working and figure out what, what works for this team. Uh, you also have to remember Chris Jones is currently losing 15 nothing to a pretty subpar offense in the Montreal Alouettes because Saskatchewan doesn't have the horses. So I don't think this roster with Chris Jones as the defensive coach, I don't know if they're that much better. I I don't think they are that much better.
780-496-0063 if you would like to chime in. We'll keep looking at this as we move along tonight. You can also text 630-630. You can get me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins. It is 617 Inside Sports on 630 Check. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Yeah, we are rolling into the long weekend. What's all going on? Taste of Edmonton ends tomorrow. I've, I've been to Taste of Edmonton several times. Love it. One of my favorite festivals in the city. Uh, K-Day's wrapping up. What else, Matthew? we got Heritage Days. Heritage Is the Heritage Days Day started already? They start tomorrow. Start tomorrow. Uh, are they hip here again tomorrow? They are, and I will be there. So if Another you see concert? me... If you see me, I'll have my Sharpie ready to go. To get an auto- you can get autographs from me all you, all you want. <laughs> Wherever you want, I'll Matthew I'll Panashik will autograph whatever you have on you. I don't know. Yep. No offense, Matthew. I'm not sure people want your autograph. I know. <laughs> but, you know I'm just putting just it out there. Just randomly signing it out there. Uh, what else is uh, happening? Oil Country Championship, obviously. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Well, it's just a general long weekend. I hope you have Monday off or uh, if you're working. That you're you're in a good and positive workplace like the one Matthew and I provide for each other here. Uh, speaking of positivity, I should say something, Matthew. Uh, I I was a little uh, harsh with a caller last night. I, I call into the uh, points after show with Dave Campbell, uh, and as you know, Matthew, a big part of this job is talking to people in the public, the listeners. Um, if people listen to the show, sometimes I might get a little peeved or be a little sarcastic. Which I think, which I think is fine. I allow myself that at times. I think sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta show some emotion, reveal parts of your personality. Uh, I was probably a little too harsh with a Ched listener named Brian. Not probably. I was too harsh with a Ched listener named Brian, who I followed yesterday with my phone call. Um, so I referred to his uh, comment. I think is the stupidest of the season. That was uncalled for on my part. That was just nasty, and I shouldn't have done that. All right, so I just wanted to get that off my chest. Having said that, um, I, I I didn't agree with Brian's point um, that James Franklin should have been inserted into the game last night and that the Eskimos need to develop a two-quarterback system. I, I think that, Matthew, now correct me if I'm wrong, uh, did Mike Riley have his best game last night? No, I don't think he was as sharp as he's been at that we've come to expect. And I think Riley's raved, raised our expectations and our hope for how he plays quarterback, right? After having, I mean, obviously it's a no-brainer to say Mike Riley's the best quarterback the Eskimos have had since Ricky Ray. Certainly the Stephen Giles, Kerry Joseph era wasn't great. Uh, Matt Nichols was good at times. But ultimately, I think Riley's been better than Nichols ever ever was as an Eskimo. Um, I just and you know what, and, and it's not just Brian last night. So again, I was overly harsh with Brian, and I don't want to seem like I'm specifically attacking him. But just as a bit of an, an aside, um, the the late '70s and 1980s for this city certainly were a blessing for sports fans and in some ways unparalleled for any other city in the country, right? I mean, the Montreal Montreal got to enjoy tons of Stanley Cups, but I mean, if you look at what the Eskimos did and then the Oilers did through the late 70s, and really you could say it ended in 1993, 
right? When the Eskimos won a great cup and the Oilers, uh, even after winning their, their fifth Stanley Cup in 1990, went to the conference finals in 91 and 92, the city was pretty blessed with teams going deep into the playoffs and winning championships. Um, the, the one thing that's, I think, a little dangerous is the comparisons to that era. Just like after the draft, well, the NHL draft, well, now the uh, Pagliarvi's Curry and McDavid's Gretzky. No, really, they aren't. And the, the one thing when it comes to the football side of things is, well, why don't the Eskimos, you know, use two quarterbacks the way they used to use, uh, I mean, the caller last night made a Lemmerman and Wilkinson comparison. That was 40 years ago. And then, well, Wilkinson and Moon used the two-quarterback system. You know, fair enough, it, it, it worked at the time. But even in 81, when Wilkinson came off the bench to win the Grey Cup, that was Moon's team already by that year. They, they weren't using the two-quarterback system. They used Wilkinson because, quite frankly, Moon wasn't having a good game. And, and, you know, the caller last night even said, well, look how it worked with Moss and Ray in the two-quarterback system. I hate to break it to everybody, but you, you should know this. This isn't ancient history. Ricky Ray and Jason Moss were never in a two-quarterback system. Jason Moss got hurt in 2002. Ricky Ray played awesome and kept the job. And sometimes Moss played in 2002 because Ray still had some struggles. And Moss had been a starter, so Higgins would put him in. But it wasn't like a planned, hey, yeah, let's use two quarterbacks and mix it up. No, it was Ray's team. And then Jason Moss played in 2004 because Ricky Ray wasn't on the roster. He was in the NFL. And then in 2005, yes, Jason Moss came off the bench to win a couple of playoff games. That wasn't part of the plan. It was because Ray wasn't moving the ball. And if you remember the 2005 season... Oftentimes, fans wanted Moss to play, and Machocha stuck with Ricky Ray. So that was not the two-quarterback system. That was the luxury of having a backup who had played a lot because Ray had gone to the NFL and he'd been a starter before Ray got here. So let's not romanticize the two-quarterback system because, quite frankly, no one does that, and it's generally a bad idea. That's all I'm saying. I believe we got Matthew on the line. Hey, Matthew, you're on with Reed on Inside Sports. Hey, Reed, can you hear me okay? Yes. Uh, two quarterback system in the Canadian Football League. Stupid, 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 stupid. I want to, I want to get that out of the way right now. Whoever's suggesting two quarterbacks, stupid. You should go take a lap, bud. If you're going to suggest that, you should go definitely take a lap. You're right. It does not work. Even like in the NHL. Running two starting goaltenders, rotating that also does not work. It's 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 one in the same. Uh, I called into Dave's show last night after the game, and I was just totally irate. And what one one of the things that I was mostly irate about was after Winnipeg's first two drives, they had 165 yards through the air. That should tell you everything that you need to know right now about our secondary. Um, I've had some time now to dissect the game. I've calmed down. I've sobered up. And, uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I can get pretty irate when I've had a few, but uh, I don't think this is all Mike Benavides' fault. And now people are going to sit here that are listening going, oh, sectionals calling you in again, telling us all to relax. It's the same old nursery rhyme that he's saying. But hang on a second. I think Benavides realizes that we don't have 
the veteran presence that we have in our secondary for him in order to put some of his schemes that he's known for into practice. So he's playing a little conservative, and teams are picking on that right away and then attacking our our raw secondary. So I think that the game in Ottawa on Saturday is the one that's going to be the test. And I told Dave yesterday, I said, the unofficial official panic button is going to be the Ottawa game. I think that's going to be the true test to see if our defense is coming together because we've had six games now. Well, we will have six games now to gel, and hopefully Benavides figures it out because I think he's aware that the talent issue is that there's a lack of talent issue in our secondary. A not a, I, he's hand-strung is what I'm basically trying to say. Your thoughts? Uh, I Well, yeah, I was saying before you called in, there's a drop-off in talent. I do think Benavides probably has been guilty of calling a little bit of a too conservative defense at times, but he's afraid to get beat over the top. Um, and, and, look, guys can't just concede eight yards on every catch. Like, you can't drop off that deep. Uh, you know, and, and, as, and as a player, too, I mean, look, the coaches call the plays, but as a player, too, you have to realize what the other team is doing and how they're Matt attacking Watkins you. Watkins missed a couple of chances to make tackles right away. He's letting guys slip past. Um, a bunch of other guys are, are letting all the passes go in front of them, which is fine if you're going to let all the passes go in front of you, but you got to make the tackle right away. What do they do? They throw the body check, guy bounces off, runs up another 10 yards. Well, that's right, and that, that was frustrating to me. And I, and I know Andrew Harris is good, but I don't see guys... Uh, I hate to use this term because for our hockey team it has a negative connotation. I don't see a lot of guys swarming to the ball carrier. And I, I, I hope the defense isn't feeling a little tentative and getting into the mentality. It's like, well, we gave up 15 yards, but at least we didn't give up 30 because that's a dangerous area to to, to wade into. Matthew, I got a break for the news, buddy. Uh, the Riders are losing 15 nothing to Montreal. Good. Good, good. They can lose every single game for the rest of the season. I don't like Chris Jones anymore. He's up the number one of my hate list. Good, lose. Well, I'm more. glad it's not me anymore, Matthew. Thanks for calling, buddy. Have a great okay. weekend. Bye now. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We got a couple Eskimo themed uh, uh, texts I want to get to as well. I will address those with Blake Dermott, who is up next. Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, 128 left in the first half in Montreal. The Alouettes in control, up 22-0 on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Blue Jays lead Baltimore 6-3, the game only in the fourth inning. As I mentioned earlier, Bautista, Encarnacion, Tulowitzki, solo home runs in uh, the first inning. Tulowitzki also got an RBI on a ground out. Russell Martin has a uh, RBI single. Kevin Pillar, an RBI single as uh, as well. So a busy game for the scorekeepers there. 6-4 Blue Jays. That is still in the fourth. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks for starting your long weekend with the old program. You can always chime in by uh, texting 630-630. The email inside sports at 630 
630ched.com. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Former Edmonton Eskimo Blake Dermott, now our in-game analyst for our broadcast here on 630ched. Blake, welcome back to the old show. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Good evening, Reed. Uh, good to be on. Now, do you get the uh, long weekend off? Do you sit around and watch game tape? Do you watch old game tapes of yourself dominating on the offensive line? How are you going to be spending it? <laughs> no, that... that uh... The old game tapes have probably disintegrated from time, uh, so I don't have any of those. No, I'll be, I'll be, uh, you know, I'll do things around the house, uh, uh, get the yard cleaned up, uh, watch a game. I'm watching this game here tonight, and and seeing Montreal uh, having a, a heck of a first half. Uh, kind of like uh, like we saw last night with Winnipeg. Uh, they just uh, seem to be doing things right, and uh, and with Edmonton not doing things very well. It's interesting to me, Blake, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself here. Uh, well, Montreal obviously has this lead, but if Montreal wins and BC wins in Calgary, which to me is another uh, interesting matchup, uh, I, I guess BC beat them back in week one, but if, if Montreal holds on to this big lead and BC wins, four teams in the West will have two wins, right? Exactly. Oh, no, pardon and, me, Saskatchewan only has I, one win. We'll have two wins or less for the five teams that have two wins or less. And, and that's what I said at the beginning of the year. I think the parity in the West is going to be very, very difficult for a team to come out of this, this division with 13 wins. Uh, you could be in first place and have 12 wins just because the way teams are going to be able to beat up on each other. And uh, I, I really think that it's, it's a lot tighter uh, in our conference and and uh, and throughout the league, I, I don't think anybody's going to run away with it. You're not going to see 14 wins, I think, with any team this year. It isn't going to happen. Yeah, very unusual last year for Edmonton and Calgary to both have 14 wins, and then obviously not even play in the Grey Cup because they were uh, they were in the same division. Blake, I want to read a text you here from Bruce. He goes. Um, he goes, what I noticed about last night's game was not just a lack of urgency, but a lack of passion. Matt Nichols had something to prove, and his passion helped. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, You know, that, that's an interesting one from Bruce. And, and I know, look, uh, deep down, I'm a fan. I, I talk to other sports fans, both when I'm working and, and in my personal life. And a lot of times when a team loses... Um, especially when it's that person's favorite team, it's, well, they, they didn't try hard enough. They didn't believe in themselves. I, I don't know in my mind if it was a lack of passion from the Eskimos or or they just uh, have a lack of talent in some areas, and they have, certainly had a lack of execution last night. But I'm interested what, what you saw, Blake. Does a, does a lack of passion figure into what happened last night? <clears throat> no, but you know what I think? It, it, there's a whole bunch of things. I think you uh, you mentioned uh, a lack of talent, and I, and I think at this point in the Eskimo season, they certainly have that. And and that isn't to say that that talent isn't going to develop into something else. But but I mean, they when you look at the amount of new people that they have on their on their team, and you look at and look at the the, the games that they played. Okay, they're five games in. You've had uh, career backups, which is what I would call uh, Matt Nichols. He had the best game he's thrown. He's, he's played in probably three, four years. Maybe, maybe the best game ever that he's been in the CFL. Masoli uh, uh, sets a CFL record for 23 passes and completions in a row. This is a guy who was cut by Edmonton and has been in Hamilton for three years now, and is finally getting an opportunity to play. And believe me, that if they had Calaris, he wouldn't be playing. So he is another guy, career backup, had a career game. Um, and then, and then you just look, go down the line. You know, the beginning of the season, guys, uh, the first game of the year. Uh, that Trevor Harris comes in and throws uh, has a 92% completion percentage against this Eskimo defense. 
there are quarterbacks within this league that have never played, that are backing up, that are just dying to play the Eskimos defense right now. They, they, are, they are legend makers. And, and when you look at they're averaging 33 points a game, or almost 34 points a game um, over the course of the season, when last year they were at 14 and a half, there's a big problem. And you can say that that problem is, you know, like you mentioned, maybe they don't have the talent level. Uh, it's it's inexperienced. Look at how many guys that are, are new to the team. There's just a ton of things that that could make that up, and it may not be one, but it may be a number of things. So, and and then the other thing is, it, it take it take the team. Getting back to your question, take the team that won the Grey Cup. And how many guys are sitting in the locker room? Man, we're we're, we're Grey Cup champions. We're 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 going to be okay. We're going to be we're going to be able to come back. We're going to do that. I don't think there's a lack of confidence in that locker room. I think there might be too much confidence in that locker room. And, and it's based on what? It's not based on the current uh, group of Eskimos. It's based on what they had last year. And that's a, that, that is a common thread for, uh, uh, for human beings and for professional athletes. They, they, a lot of guys can still live in the past and, and have a tough time living in the present. And, and that's something that it's early enough in the season that this coaching staff has to beat out of these guys because they are not last year's team. They are this year's team. And they and, and they always seem to do that when they go. Wow, well, we don't. It doesn't matter to us that we haven't won in, in that town for the last ten years. This, that was those teams. This is our team. They they can they can spin it any way. But players have a belief. Once you've won the big the big thing, the big trophy, they uh, they believe they can do it uh, more than once. And and I had an old coach in college used to say, um, you have to work really hard to be the champions. You have to work even harder to stay the champions. And and right now they're not working hard enough. Well, that's an interesting way to put it, and uh, I mean, I, I like talking about the confidence thing, and, and, and I referenced the Donovan Bailey interview I did earlier this week, how he said going into that 1996 100-meter final in Atlanta, he thought it was his race to lose. Um, he thought he could run 9.71, believe it or not, he won with a 9.84, but he also said, I was so relaxed because I knew I was prepared and I knew I was the best. But I mean, I guess it's that fine line between being being confident and believing you're invincible, right? And, if you, and, and the Eskimos have won a lot of games, I don't want to say against all odds, but they, they, they've won a lot of games where they weren't in a good position earlier in the game. Right, and mm-hmm. and you kind of wondered if that was going to run out, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but certainly they've flirted with disaster a lot, and now they've experienced a couple of disasters. Well, of course it's going to run out. You can't you can't do that forever, and I think that's that's what's happened. Teams are figuring them out. I mean, you just had to watch what Hamilton did to Edmonton during that 23 completion percent uh, 23 completion thing that Masoli went through. They ran the same pass pattern. Two guys clearing on the outside, one guy dragging underneath, and, and they completed, I don't know, I mean, I, I may have said 14, but I, it's probably closer to half of those 23 passes were essentially the same route. What is the, the first play that Winnipeg comes out, and then the second play, the first play they ran into the short side of the field, the second play they ran into the wide side of the field, was exactly that defense, two first downs. Or, or sorry, that, that same pass play against that defense was the same thing that Hamilton had success with. And it was two first downs. The Eskimos hadn't figured it out still. And then when I looked at, you know, when you they went 25 minutes uh, remaining in the game against Hamilton and the first 25 minutes of the game last night against Winnipeg, the score was 48 to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's you know there there's a serious problem and 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 it's not the whole game because what they the defense then in the second half allowed 135 yards but now of course you're 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 uh, you're you're not playing the same um you're not playing the same offense because you've got you know different guys in different positions and there there you know there's been adjustments made but but it's still for 48 minutes they gave up 48 points and did nothing on offense and and that's troubling to me that's troubling to that's troubling to the fan, and that's troubling to the coaches. And and I know uh, Jason Moss. We talked to him before the game, and he you know made reference to there's an awful lot of learning that's got to be done. And you know at, at some point, you know you, you you have to you have to make a determination as a coaching staff: are these guys worth spending the time learning with them, or do we move on with somebody else? And you know, and, and he also mentioned that there are reasons why guys are backups and guys aren't backups. Uh, and and you know and right now the Eskimos are forced to play some players in starting positions that maybe they're not ready for them yet. Blake Durbick joining us inside sports on six thirty ten. It is six forty three. Uh, the Eskimos now with a bit of a break. They play again next Saturday against Ottawa. That's August six. We'll have it for you on Ched three thirty for the pregame show. The uh, kickoff will be at five. All right. Uh, I, I got a I, somebody's uh, making fun of me here, justifiably so, Blake. So I'll, I'll read you this so we can end with a bit of a laugh. <laughs> Uh, David says, hey, Reed, since when did football players start wearing metal helmets? You said that was the reason they took the storm break last night. I was laughing pretty good, laughing pretty good over that one. Well, the, the, the face masks are uh, metal. Look, my point was there's lightning concerns, David, so I'm sorry if I, uh, if I, if I, if I got the exact composition of the helmet. Hey, there are uh, screws in those helmets, and uh, they, they, will, they will cause a problem if the lightning gets close. Yeah. So did you? how many games did you have delayed by rain or lightning during your career, Blake? Do you remember any that's, that stood out, or did you just keep it was, playing? It was funny. I mean, you got to remember, we're, we're, uh, I played in the, in the time when guys, uh, you know, uh, if you had a headache, uh, you, you just sucked it up and you played. And now if you have a headache, you may be out for six weeks. Right. Um, and, and so we played in games where there was lightning. I, I do remember the only one time that a game was called because of lightning. And we were all out in the field, and the lightning was going, and it was coming off, and it was really, you could hear that it was one of those ones where the lightning would go and the thunder would hit within a second. So you knew it was right on top of you. Mm-hmm. And then the, there was a big crack of lightning, and then all of a sudden we are in Regina, and all of a sudden all the lights went out in the stadium. <laughs> and guys started running before the referees could say, that's it, we're off the field. We were beating the refs. We were, we were underneath the stadium within you know, 15, 20 seconds. And the trouble was that in the locker room in Regina, course and you know the lights are out you can't see anything and it's not a great locker room so we were all sort of stumbling around in the absolute pitch dark no lights no uh, matches maybe one or two guys maybe coach had a cigarette so you'd see a lighter going someplace but but that was it it was uh we were on off the field for probably about 45 minutes and that was the only time it happened it was pretty scary a coach had a cigarette that's probably different than today as well (laughs) <laughs> Blake, I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks for making time for me tonight. And, of course, uh, we'll do this next week as well. Really appreciate it. Same to you, Reed. Uh, have a good weekend. That is Blake Dermott checking in, our in-game analyst for the Edmonton Eskimos. They are 2-3. and three, And, man, they've already played four of their nine home games. Uh, we'll see which way they go. You can keep the text coming to 630-630. You can uh, phone in 780-496-0063. Some hockey news to get to as well. And we'll keep chatting as we move along. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Ben Cahoon being 
honored halftime. The Montreal-Saskatchewan game, three-time Grey Cup champion, one of the greatest receivers in the CFL over the last 25 years or so. The Alouettes taking it to Saskatchewan tonight. It is 22-0 at halftime. We'll keep you updated. Inside Sports on 630 Ched. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. The Edmonton Oilers, by the way, signing defenseman David Musile to a one-year contract. He was a restricted free agent. 23 years old, drafted by the Oilers 31st overall in 2011, played 67 games with Bakersfield last season at 14 points. He's played four career games with the Oilers, picked up a couple of assists. All right, 651, Matthew Panaschik working as our studio producer this evening. Matthew, I don't know if you uh, looked at some of these uh, numbers. Total offense last night for the Blue Bombers, 441. Holy. The Eskimos wound up with 366 yards, uh, most of those in the second half. At halftime, the Bombers had outgained Edmonton 312 to 111. 201 yard difference. Time of possession for the game. I'll round off some of the seconds here. 36 and a half minutes for Winnipeg, 23 and a half minutes for Edmonton. See, the offense, Reed's got to learn how to stay on the field a lot longer because this defense, as we've all been saying, isn't very good. I think so far this season, the uh, front four have only gotten four or eight sacks in five games this season. That's not very good for a team, as far as I'm concerned. Eight sacks well, in five games? Yeah. That's tough. They, I mean, they haven't been getting a lot of pressure, Reed. They just haven't. Well, no, because they're dropping everybody into coverage. And there was a play yesterday. The Eskimos only rushed three and dropped nine and still gave up a first down gain. I mean, I think the pro- to me the problems are in the secondary, not as much up front. Um, but yeah, I mean, the offense has not been good enough the last two games. I, I still think that they'll be able to score, that they'll be able to produce more points than than they have over the last six quarters. Um, but, but I mean, Bowman, a couple of drops, a couple of big hits. Uh, Corey Watson obviously got shaken up in the game as well. Uh, you know, Getzlaff, okay depth guy. Uh, Ajay, okay depth guy. I think they missed Kuhorn there. And uh, John White finished with four carries for eight yards, so they did get the ball to him in the passing game. Darrell Walker, huge game, 11 catches for 148 yards on a touchdown. He was certainly the primary target. Uh, so I, I do, I, I'm not sitting here really worried about the offense. I, I think they're going to be okay. I think they'll be able to score. I think they'll do better than they have the last couple of games. I, I still like the way. Jason Moss calls the game. I like the way they attack. I think they attack different parts of the field. I think they do different things. Um, Now, did they do enough? Did they take the pressure off the defense? No. But, I I mean, the defense didn't exactly do its job either. So, it was a team failure over the last six quarters. uh, But I'm much more worried about, about the defense. As uh, as we move along, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text six thirty six thirty. Winnipeg's last win in Edmonton was the Milt Stegall catch in July of two thousand and six. The tenth anniversary of that was last Wednesday. August games for the Eskimos at Ottawa, home to Montreal, at Toronto, home to Saskatchewan. Those are the four games. Won't be easy. Will not be easy for the green and gold. 6.54 is the time of day. By the way, still ahead, we'll uh, bring in Jamie Thomas. We'll also talk to Devin Carey, who's uh, taking part in the McKenzie Tour event, the Oil Country Championship at the Glendale. Second round winding down uh, about, uh, well, still some guys with three or four holes left to play. Joseph Harrison 
and Brock McKenzie now tied for the lead, both coming in. at a, You know what? They've changed McKenzie's score here, buddy. Interesting. They had a 65 up on the website earlier. They now have a 66. With uh, So both Harrison and McKenzie's and uh, McKenzie shooting 66 today. 67 yesterday, 66 today. Riley Fleming, a 68 today. He's one off the lead, 10 under. Aaron Wise, uh, still on the course. He's 10 under. He's playing his uh, 18th hole of the day. All right. Uh, oh, the Blue Jays. Keep you updated on this one. It's been a busy game. 6-4 for the Jays leading Baltimore. That one is in the bottom of the fifth. Boston taking on the Los Angeles Angels later on tonight. Houston, who's uh, trying to track down Toronto and uh, Boston in the wild card race. Not looking good for them tonight. Detroit hammering the Astros 9-3. That one in the uh, middle of the fifth. We'll keep an eye on those scores as we move along tonight. FC Edmonton has another home game on Sunday, 2 p.m. against Carolina. FC, by the way, has won seven straight at home. They're doing well. They're third in the fall schedule and third in the combined standing because they try to track down a playoff spot. Dramatic win on Wednesday after we signed off. On Wednesday night, FC Edmonton pulled it out against the New York Cosmos. They had tied the game with a goal in the 75th minute. They scored it in injury. They scored the winner in injury time to take it 2-1. So that was a dramatic victory for them. All right. So we'll bring in Jamie Thomas a little bit later, and we'll go to the golf course to talk to uh, Devin Carey as well. Kevin Lowe. Former Oiler, now with the Oilers Entertainment Group, was on with Bob Stoffer earlier today. Of course, the Oilers Entertainment Group bringing the Oil Country Championship to town. And uh, Lowe was saying they'll be aggressively pursuing big hockey events coming to Rexall Place. Or, pardon me, to Rogers Place. Absolutely. Every one of them and, and more. Uh, you know, the mandate from Daryl Cates and, and Bob Nicholson... Leading that charge and Bob's relationship with international hockey goes a long way. Uh, we certainly have a leg up on a lot of the competition, but by all means, uh, as the whole ice district gets built out uh, through 2019, we'll be looking to host events. Uh, every one of them you said, NHL All-Star Game, NHL Draft. Uh, we'll try to get international events here. We'd love to host the World Cup. We would love to have hosted this year. We just it was a little, a little too tight to the to deadlines and stuff to, to take the risk. But um, Edmonton is a great market for sports, not just hockey. And uh, so you know why wouldn't we be you know aggressive in in, in going after all those different events in the years to come. Yeah, but I, th- you know, a lot of people said, well, is something going to happen immediately because the rink's going to be done. I think they're going to wait till the ice district is more developed, less construction around there, so people come to town and see more of a finished product. If you're talking about drafts, all-star games, World Cups, World Juniors, things like that. Go to the uh, 630 Ched website, go to the Oilers Now page or the Inside Sports page to get interviews from past shows. We will uh, touch a little bit on uh, on the NHL, more football talk as we move along. It's Inside Sports on Ched. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.